Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. Virgin Most Powerful Radio family, always a pleasure to be here. Um, welcome to the clinic. We're going to talk about mental health as always, spiritual health, physical health. But Before we get started, let's go ahead and start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, I think it's very apt to start with the prayer of St. Michael today because uh, in today's show I want to talk about anxiety and really um, most recently the anxiety that a lot of friends and family actually have been coming to me to talk about on the side uh, given everything that's going on in our society and given a whole lot of political unrest, given a whole lot of questions around uh, illness and quarantines and uh, not sure what's going to happen in the future. There's a whole lot of anxiety surrounding, you know, what should we do about a whole lot of different things. But one of the biggest topics that I keep hearing about and that people keep coming to me uh, on the sidebar and saying, well, what do you think about this? You know, I'm really anxious is they really don't know what they're going to do in terms of what's going on in our society politically with an election coming up with diametrically opposed candidates and who to vote for and what does that mean for us as Catholics uh, a whole lot of different headlines surrounding that. And really, it, it can get confusing out there because we start hearing, well, you know, this candidate says that, this candidate says something else. And ultimately, who do I vote for? And, and what does my vote mean? And, and I'm not sure what my moral obligation is what I keep hearing. What's my moral obligation in terms of voting? Well, <clears throat> when it comes to voting and government um, and our, our society as a whole, it's first important to take a step back and ask ourselves, why is there even a government? What's the what's the purpose of a government? Why why is it formed? You know, we're voting for somebody to be in an office. Why is this office created? Why do we have these different positions, whether it be at the federal level, uh, at the state level, at the city level, at the county level? There's all these different uh, positions that are created. Uh, and we have to ask ourselves, what's the purpose of these positions? Why do we have this in our society? And if we want to look at it, it's because people have needs. We, As a society, we're going to have different needs. And the whole purpose of any of these positions that people hold for a certain amount of time um, is to serve the people, really, more than anything else. It's there, as a society, we have certain needs. We have to keep a certain law in order. So we have legal positions of judges, uh, and we have lawyers who work, and we have district attorneys, and all these different uh, levels of organized law. Uh, we have <clears throat> also positions of people who need to take care of social work, and we know that there's people who are less fortunate, so we have social programs to help those who are less fortunate. Um, and, you know, everything in between. All this exists because as a society we need to function, and we need to get along, and there needs to be a certain amount of order. And the whole purpose of putting anybody in any of these positions is really more than anything else to serve the people but in order to do what? What's the purpose of the people? What do the people need to do? I think when we look at that and we say, well, we need the people to be taken care of 
in order to what? There's some, there's got to be something further because so now we have law and order. So what? What are the people just stay in their homes or people want to go to work? But why go to work? There's all these different questions surrounding it. I think it can get very very confusing. Um, but it comes down to actually when when some things are so confusing when things are so complex, usually the answer is very very simple. And ultimately, if we look at this from a Catholic perspective, from we put on our Catholic optics, what we really need is the people need. As Catholics, we want the freedom to be able to choose and worship God, regardless of what we are, what our jobs are, regardless of what we do in terms of being able to survive on this world. Really, what we have to look at is, at the end of the day, we want to be able to look towards God and become more like Christ. Really, that, that's our mission in life. So in order for us to understand what it is that we're doing, we have to understand why is society structured the way it is. If we're looking at it from Catholic optics where our whole mission is to become Christ-like, then ultimately everything that we need to do, everything that we need to uh, choose, every action that we take is geared toward becoming more like Christ and choosing God. And really what we're asking for is the freedom to be able to do that. So that even whether it be as a, as a physician, whether it be as a teacher, whether it be as somebody in political office, we want to be able to have the freedom to make those choices from our own conscience. St. John Paul II said it best when he said, really, freedom is the freedom to choose God. Um, you know, it's not freedom from religion that we say, it's freedom of religion. We want to be able to worship uh, as we understand God, as we understand God through our catechism, through our Bible scriptures. Um, we really need to have that in place. And so we, ne we can't lose sight of the fact that when people are in public office, they're supposed to be there for the people. When, you know, when we have an office, when we have somebody voted into their position. It always reminds me of, taking back to the Last Supper, when Christ gave the examples to his apostles and he said, you know, as I have done for you, so you must do. Jesus was there and he said, I need to wash your feet. And he started washing their feet. And if we recall, St. Peter objected. And he said, no, no, Lord, you cannot wash my feet. You're my master. You're my teacher. You can't wash my feet. And Jesus told him, if, if you don't let me do this, then it's not going to happen. You're not going to be able to make it to heaven. At that point, St. Peter said, not only my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus said, no, just your feet. But as I have done for you, I expect you to do for others. More to come on our on our idea of, of government, voting, and our purpose in life. Ernesto from Long Beach. You know, I just wanted to comment, you know, and I just wanted to thank you guys. And I kind of wanted to encourage people that are listening, maybe that are not donating, you know, because honestly, I got to be honest, I used to think you guys were a little too over the top, time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. You That's know, right. If God gave us a lot, you know, and I'm, I have the blessing of listening to all this, and I just want to call all the people, you know, I've got five kids, you know, and I don't make a lot of money, and I'm still donating to you guys. God bless you, brother. You're amazing. We gotta. We have to do this. We have to do the extra. And it's not even the extra. People see it like it's extra. Kneeling for communion, saying your rosary, saying the Divine Mercy Chaplet. It is not extra. It's what the church 
tells us to do. Amen. You're a good man, brother. 30 years old, 29 years old, five kids, and I thank you guys. But everybody else, man, get on fire. Fight for the truth, man. I know what I'm telling you guys. There's I no love it. Out there. Leviticus 11.44 says, Consecrate yourselves and be holy, because I am holy. St. Vincent Pilati said, You must be holy in the way God asks you to be holy. God does not ask you to be a Trappist monk or a hermit. He wants you to sanctify the world and your everyday life. May God show us the path to holiness and help us to follow it all the days of our life. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for your support here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Here's an easy way to do it. If you're going to sell or buy a house, call Real Estate for Life, 877-543-3871, because they're going to get you a Christ-centered agent to purchase your home or to sell your home. And at the close of escrow, a portion of his commission goes right back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Call 877-543-3871. Thank you so much for your support. Welcome back to the clinic, Virgin Most Powerful Radio family. Um, today we're talking about our mission, our vote, our politics, and anxiety, because there's a whole lot of anxiety surrounding this. And as I was mentioning earlier, a lot of people have been coming out, coming up to me and asking me what they can do to, to calm themselves down, because, boy, there sure is a whole lot of tension. And, you know, every time they watch the news or read uh, articles or headlines, it sure doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of peace out there. You know, and whenever we, there's no peace or there's no sense of peace, we kind of lose our sense of Christ, right? Because Christ is, whenever he appeared to his apostles after he, he rose from the dead and uh, whenever he showed up, he always said, peace be with you, even though there was a certain sense of fear. When the angels of God sends us, uh, as we see through apparitions and in biblical uh, scripture, whenever they appear, the first thing that they know is that there's turmoil, but they say, peace be with you. So I would say, one, let's rest assured that if we are feeling uh, some upheaval. We are feeling some um, stress out there with everything that's going on. Uh, there's probably a sense of uh, God somewhere telling us, peace be with you. Because one of the important things to remember is that our mission here on earth is independent of politics. You know, we, we, we put a whole lot of uh, emphasis on politics, and it's important because it's going to affect our lives. But regardless of what happens politically speaking, one of the things to remember is that our mission, as given to us by God, does not change. Our mission is the same. We have to navigate through the politics. It's, uh, we never want to be in a position where we feel that because of the political uh, climate or because of the decisions that are being made at uh, government-type levels, our mission has changed. That's not the case. How do we know that? Well, one of the things that we need to consider is, look, let's look at this biblically. biblically. Uh, in the Bible, we see that there's always political turmoil. There's never a time that we really see where Christ is around and there's not some kind of a political turmoil, be it by the, the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin uh, not liking him or the local you know, um, uh, governing uh, bodies not liking him. From the start, there was political turmoil. <clears throat> so it's really important to remember that because 
as we are going through this, we have to look at the fact that God has given us a mission. If we look at the Bible, some of the things that I always find interesting are that Our Lady, from the beginning, was given a mission. And if there wasn't turmoil there, well then, I don't know where there was turmoil. If we look at this and we say, well sure, when you know, if we look at the Gospels of St. Luke and we see that the angel appeared to her and asked her to carry out a mission and to please bear the child of God, and she said yes to this, you know, we can say, oh my goodness, you know, this was such a big, she, she took on this big undertaking and our, you know, thank God Our Lady said yes and she brought Christ into the world. But let's not forget that her mission had already been assigned to her from the time of the book of Genesis. We can't forget that when Adam and Eve uh, had to flee the garden after the fall, Jesus had already spoken to the uh, serpent and said, you know, I'm going to place enmity between you and the woman. Mary had already been mentioned in that part, in the the Proto-Evangelium, as we call it, um, where she was already given the mission um, to carry to carry Christ, and this was surrounding turmoil. This was surrounding uh, a time when we had turned away from God, when Adam and Eve had not turned away from God, but God came in and decided to make things right. And He said, "No, the mission continues, even though there's a wrench in the plans." Now, shall we say, when Jesus was born, He was born into chaos. Right? We can't forget that there was King Herod who was going to try to kill all the children, and who was extremely afraid of there being a new king in the area, and did not want to share that at all. So Christ is born into this political turmoil where right from the start he's trying, people are trying to kill him. And so what happens? We navigate those waters. St. Joseph had an angel appear to him and he had to trust that this was God speaking to him. And the mission wasn't easy. The mission was, hey, now you need to flee and go to Egypt because you guys need to be safe. And St. Joseph said, okay, you know, I'm going to carry out this mission. That's probably got to be one of the scariest things in the world to have to just up and go because there's political turmoil. But he trusted in God. And ultimately, this is what happens right now. Of course, there's going to be anxiety. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what the future holds. And there seems to be a whole lot of contention out there. But taking that step back, I would ask, and as I tell my family members and friends, what's your mission in life? You've been given an assignment, not what's your purpose. Sometimes we think, oh, I need to find a purpose in life. A purpose in life means I need to find something that I'm good at and really um, hone that in and use that to serve God. And I think that's important, you know, doing that, using, finding out what our talents are and how we can best apply those to serve God is great. But we can't forget that even before that, God already knows what our talents are. God already knows what, what our strengths are and what our weaknesses are. And in spite of that, God is saying, navigate through that because I'm giving you a mission in life. And how do we find that mission? Ultimately, we have to unite ourselves to God. We can't forget that at the end of the day, our mission is to become more Christ-like. But why? What's the purpose of becoming more Christ-like? Well, we have an objective. God has given us a mission that a lot of times we can look at as a military-type mission. We've been given an assignment, and so we're called, even in our own catechism, the church militant, right? So we are a militant church. What does that mean? That means that we have a mission, and we have an objective, And like any good military organization, we're going to have to train to do that. And we're going to talk about that in a further segment about how do we train to do that. But again, this takes us back to the fact that if there is political turmoil, if there is anxiety, it's more important than ever to take that step back and to say, okay, let me turn off the TV for a moment. Let me not read the headlines for a moment. Let me pretend that nothing else exists but this moment between me and God and that God is going to speak to me that God is going to send me an angel, God's going to send me a message that I'm going to somehow know internally that in spite of whatever's going on, 
I still have an objective. I have a mission that I need to accomplish that he wants me to accomplish for the greater good of the kingdom. And I need to figure out what that is. The best way to figure out what that is is to unite ourselves to the will of God. How do we know that? We find that in the silence. Christ always tells us that the best way to pray uh, is to go somewhere quiet, to close the door, to not pay attention, and to listen to what God has to tell us. We see this in the Old Testament. Here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. We see Samuel saying that. And these are very powerful things because we need to remember that this is still happening. A lot of times we forget and we think of the biblical uh, time as some kind of an ancient time. But God is still happening. And I always remember uh, one of my good friends and somebody who's on our deliverance team, her name is uh, Alex, and she always tells me, you know, regardless of what's going on, remember, God is still working. It doesn't feel like it. It might not feel good, but God is still present in your life. God is still uh, working in your life, and God is still trying to help us accomplish that mission because it's very easy to get downhearted. It's very easy to feel like, what's the point? You know, why am I even doing this? We're worried that churches are closing and that who knows when they're going to open up again, and all of a sudden I can't worship God. Well, it can seem that way, but my mission is to worship God regardless of whether the church is open or not. If the church is closed because of political natures or because of decisions that are made beyond my control, what can I control? Can I still on Sundays take the time to be in my domestic church with my family and get my kids around and my wife and sit down and say, hey, we're going to read the Bible. You know, we're going to look at what the church readings were today anyway, and we're going to read them here, and maybe we can discuss them and talk about them. Is this a better time to remember that for those of us who are married, marriage itself is a sacrament. It's a sacrament that's happening happening outside of even Sunday Mass, outside of going to confession. You know, we, we think of the sacraments in that way of saying, hey, I got to get to uh, confession so I can go to the sacrament, and I have to get to Mass so I can go to the sacrament, right? We, we have to arrive at the sacrament. The sacrament of marriage is so powerful, and this is probably why God has so many marriages out there. You know, it's the most common sacrament around because it's happening all the time. It's happening regardless of where we are. I could be here in the studio and my wife is at home, but the sacrament is still happening. So we can't underestimate the fact that as the, the more I put into being part of the family, the more I put into what's my role as a father, that's creating more peace around us, not just for us, but for the people around us, because we are still united as a communion of saints. Our mission continues every time I pray, every time you pray, every time we do something nice for each other, we're still elevating ourselves in the eyes of God and still tr becoming more Christ-like, regardless of what's happening around us. So when we start worrying about, it seems like everything's falling apart, let's not forget that in the moment, God is still working, we are still happening, and that presence, if we take that moment of presence in front of God, then we're going to be able to listen. We stay silent for a moment and we say, where do you need me now, Lord? Where are you guiding me? Not just what's my purpose and, and what are my talents and how can I make those better? That's already there. God, where do you want me to use these? Where do you want me to stand? Sometimes we think that we have to do something extraordinary. And for all we know, God is looking at us and saying, look, all I needed you to do today was be nice to the cashier at the coffee shop. And if you, you did so much with, with doing that, you don't even know how much good you did because once you were nice to that person, that changed that person's day and they were able to go out and change 20 other people's days. And it was such a positivity, such a domino effect of positivity that you might never be aware about. But that's what I needed you to do for the day because it created a whole lot of good.
we forget that even with the smallest actions done with love, as St. Teresa of Lisieux tells us, we can change the world. When we have faith in that, then everything else seems a little bit more manageable. Everything else seems more tangible. If I can remember that one of my actions done with pure love of God can change the whole world, that's much more powerful than any, any, any politics, any law, any policy, or anything that um, I think is overwhelming or that's going to control my life. Because ultimately, we have to remember that God is the one controlling our lives. You know, when it comes to politics, it's, it's hard to imagine um, that we have any power because it feels like the governing bodies are always going to tell us what to do, and sometimes we just have to follow. But that also reminds me in the Gospels of when Jesus said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. You know, there was a question about, do we pay taxes? Because, you know, what is a God? What, why should we pay taxes? That's things of this world, and we're not of this world. That's not what our, where our mission lies. Um, and Christ doesn't say, don't pay taxes. He says, let's look at the coin. Whose head is on there? He understood that there was an order, that there is a social order, and he expected fairness, because as we see when he talks to the tax collectors, what happens to the tax collectors? Their lives change. They say, oh my goodness, if I've cheated anybody, I want to repay them back fourfold, right? Because they understood that, yes, taxes are important, giving to society is important, taking care of each other is important. Unfortunately, it opens the doors to a lot of corruption and a lot of cheating, but God is still saying, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Go ahead and vote. Go ahead and give your taxes. Go do what you need to do. But then he expects the responsibility of the people managing that to be fair for the, for the people. He expects that whoever we vote for, whoever is in office, is actually going to take care of, care of the people and the public in a charitable way. And we rely on that. But that aside, or that, that being said, we can't underestimate the fact that our end is not to build a kingdom here on earth. Our end is to make it to heaven, right? That's our objective. So our mission is to become more Christ-like, and we have to train to do that. Our objective is that once we get to the gates of heaven, that we resemble Christ so much that we were able to empty ourselves of ourselves and really allow Christ to fill us with his grace, with his image, with his likeness, that when we appear in heaven, there's no question that we belong there. There's no question that we can unite ourselves to God and that we look like we belong as children of God, as brothers and sisters of Christ. That's really where our, our anxieties, our energies, our efforts should lie. If we can focus on that, then, and we understand our mission, and we understand what our catechism tells us, and we understand what we believe as Catholics, then voting doesn't become much of a turmoil, because I'm going to vote to the best of my ability for the candidate who's going to allow me to be the best Catholic I can be. And that's the bottom line. Who's going to allow me to be the best Catholic I can be? I don't know that if I don't follow my own faith. I don't know that if I don't read the catechism. I don't know that if I don't train to make it to heaven. And so it's important to remember, not only do I want to vote, of course, it's actually my duty and my obligation to vote because I need to vote for whoever it is that's, not, that's going to allow me and all those around me to be the best Catholics we can be to make it to God and to perfect ourselves. That's really what the vote comes down to. How do I know that? I need to read my Bible. I need to read my catechism. I need to know what's expected of me as a Catholic and make decisions that might not be easy decisions. I need to know what we see as right and wrong in the eyes of God, not in the eyes of man. Because I'm going to see things and I can make up my own decision about it. This is where God gives us a choice, right? So God lets us have free will. With that free will, we have a choice as to 
making a choice towards God. God also loves us so much that he gives us the freedom to make a choice against him because he wants to make sure that when we choose him, it came from us wholeheartedly that, it, that we knew that we had options and we chose him anyway. That's, the, that's true love right there. That's like people getting married or people uh, uniting or people going to holy orders. I had all these other options, but this is what I chose and this is what I'm sticking to. And that's the big deal. That's, that's really what it comes down to. When we know that we chose God regardless of what else is going on, that means something. That's our mission in life. Regardless of what our careers are, of what other choices we've made, the end choice, the bottom choice is, am I choosing God? Am I choosing Christ? So when it comes to the anxiety, we're going to feel a lot of different things because, again, there might be a little bit of a conflict between what we're reading in, in the newspapers, what society's telling us. The first thing I tell uh, most of the people who are talking to me is, don't get too wrapped up in what the news is saying because the news is going to have a bias, right? So they're advertising their own opinions uh, and not just giving you the facts. It's important to know what's going on. Read the headlines. You can read the articles and look at what's going on, but take a step back after you see that and decide for yourself, is this bringing me closer to God? How is this making me more Christ-like? My mission on this earth is to become more Christ-like. What part of this is going to help me be more Christ-like? And this is something that Again, if we don't have a well-formed conscience, we talked about the formed conscience. The formed conscience is one that understands uh, what it means to be Catholic. The formed conscience is one that understands what's in our catechism. The catechism, you know, it sounds like a big book or something that if we start opening up, we're not going to understand. The catechism is very simple. It goes through the Our Father. It goes through the Creed. It goes through the sacraments. It goes through the Ten Commandments. It goes through everything we've already been taught in our Catholic faith, but it lets us know exactly what the church stand is on it. It lets us know exactly what the church says about it. Because sometimes we'll hear different people, even within the church, even some of our priests, some of our bishops, they'll say things that we say, well, I don't know, hang on a second. That didn't sound like it was coming from the catechism. That's okay. We're humans. We can falter. We can make mistakes. Um, and the catechism is a thick book. It's the kind of book that in order for us to memorize it, we have to read over and over. So I don't blame anybody for not knowing all the fine details that are in there, but we don't have much of an excuse to not be able to go back and look it up, to not be able to go back and say, let's read this because it is there. You know, we do have access to it. And if you don't have the, the book, you can find it online. There's, there's no shortage of ways of, of finding it. But the most important thing is one, to educate yourself, to know what our mission is in order to, to be able to make the right choices. And this is not just for voting. This is really for life in general, because right now, voting's at the forefront. You know, there's political turmoil, there's a whole lot of different uh, people with different opinions, and voting's at the forefront of our of saying, hey, we need to make this, this vote, we need to decide who I'm gonna vote into office. But the reality is, every day we're faced with choices where we have to cast a vote, shall we say, where I have to choose. Every time I choose something, I'm putting in a vote. If I choose to steal a candy bar, I just put in a vote for stealing. If I choose to walk away from an argument, I put in a vote for peace. We're always voting. It's not just at, at the polls. It's not just the political voting for candidates. We're voting for ourselves. We're voting for our souls. We're voting to say, which way do I want my soul to go? Do I really want to get wrapped up uh, in, in what the world is offering me? Or do I want to vote for Christ? Do I want to vote for making it to heaven? More about that when we come back.
Welcome, Daniel. You're on the line. What's on your mind, brother? Hi, I just wanted to share a testimony about Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I had a buddy at work who, you know, he's a lukewarm Catholic guy, and I wanted him to start listening to the Terry and Jesse show, so I kept telling him to download the app, and he kept putting me off. So one day, I grabbed his phone, and I downloaded the app <laughs> for him. I went on vacation, and you know, I kept telling him to listen to it. He was kind of put me off. I came back from vacation. He comes to my cubicle, and he says to me, Hey, man, I've been listening to Terry and Jesse's show, and it's great. And it's uh, made a big impact in his life. The guy, he's going to weekly adoration a couple times a wow. week. He goes to the Mass in the morning. Mm -hmm. uh, he's an on-fire Catholic, and he promotes the Terry and Jesse show on the Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Daniel, what a testimony, and I want to encourage our listeners to get those cards by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org and uh, do what Daniel's doing. Go out and spread the faith by inviting people to listen to Virgin Most Powerful. Daniel, thanks for your testimony, brother. God love you. You're welcome. If you shop on Amazon.com, there's an easy way to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Just visit smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center under the desired charity. Now, when you log into your Amazon account and purchase products, a portion of it will automatically go to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio at no cost to you. Thanks in advance for supporting CRC and VMPR, and may God richly bless you and your family. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for your support here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Here's an easy way to do it. If you're going to sell or buy a house, call Real Estate for Life, 877-543-3871, because they're going to get you a Christ-centered agent to purchase your home or to sell your home. And at the close of escrow, a portion of his commission goes right back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Call 877-543-3871. Thank you so much for your support. Welcome back to the clinic, Virgin Most Powerful Radio family. Always a pleasure to be here. And as always, uh, I always encourage all of you, our listeners, to uh, please let us know if there's any interesting topics you want us to discuss. Uh, send us an email. Uh, if there's anything you want to discuss in mental health, physical health, um, and spiritual health, of course, here at the clinic. Um, and if you so find it in your hearts to donate to us, I think that'd be great. You know, it's always wonderful to be able to send out a Catholic message to our listeners and our viewers. Um, and it's always appreciated to have you and remind us that we're one Catholic family with a common mission. Um, today we're talking about our mission and what does that mean in terms of our politics, in terms of what's going on locally, in terms of voting, in terms of our government. You know, one of the things that really resonated with me as I was doing our training for, uh, for our deliverance team here in the Diocese of Orange, um, we go to different conferences. And one time I was at the Pope Leo XIII conference, and I spoke to Monsignor Esif. And for those of you who don't know who Monsignor F Esif is, he's a very, very spiritual, wonderful man. He was a confessor and spiritual director to Mother Teresa, to, to St. Mother Teresa. And so he knew her well. And it was always edifying to speak to him and to see his uh, thoughts on life and on really what we were supposed to be thinking because um, it's interesting when you go to a deliverance conference um, and you talk about, you know, evil entities and how do we uh, approach this issue and how do we get rid of them and, and what is it that we that we really need to think about. 
And this is where he really made me think about what our mission in life is. And I was sitting there talking to him and he said, you know what the purpose of life is? And I said, well, geez, I, I kind of really want to hear what uh, the, the confessor and spiritual director of, of, of Mother Teresa thinks that the purpose of life is. And he said, we're all supposed to be little Christs. So we're supposed to be Christ. So when people ask you who you are, say, I'm Christ. And if you don't think you're there yet, then become Christ. It sounded so simple. It sounded like something that I thought, wow, you make it sound so simple, yet it's so complex. At the same time, there was something about his eyes, something about the way he said that, that I realized it might actually be kind of simple. We just don't see it that way because we're so caught up in everything else that's going on around us. And uh, as I kept talking to him a little bit more, he was telling me about a time when they were in the middle of a war in the Middle East, and he was uh, uh, with Mother Teresa, and he said, you know, wars are going to happen. And they were in the middle of a war, and he said, Mother Teresa wanted to get some orphans who she heard were across town, but couldn't get there. Um, and there was a whole lot of fighting, a whole lot of bombs going off, a whole lot of missile fire going off. And Mother Teresa was, you know, she knew how to get a hold of people, so she started talking to some of the generals, some of the people uh, in the government. She said, you know, there's some kids I need to get to, there's some, some stuff I need to take care of, but we need to stop this, this fighting. And they kind of laughed and said, well, you know what, if you can stop this, you can go ahead and do what you need to do, um, but good luck. So Monsignor Esta said that she said, okay, let's go pray. And all she did, he said, it was for hours, when, went before the Blessed Sacrament and just started to pray and pray and pray. And he said she spent there, you know, many hours during the night. And sure enough, at some point, they said, you know what, all the fighting has stopped. This is your chance. Go, go pick up the orphans. Go take care of what you need to take care of. And they were able to do it. And he said that with such simplicity, such a powerful story, such a, such a powerful testament to the power of prayer in the midst of political chaos, that that's something that stuck with me. And I think that we need to take to heart. We forget the power of prayer. We forget that God is actually listening in the midst of chaos. Monsignor Asif is a great man. Um, and it made sense now when he, after he told me that story, it made a little bit more sense that we are to be like Christ. If we look in the Gospels, every time that Christ, we see Christ doing a few things. We see Christ serving the people, and we see Christ praying. And that's pretty much it. He's there, he's talking to the people, he's performing miracles, or he goes off to pray into the mountains, or he's looking over the city of Jerusalem in sadness because he's praying, because he's saying, we don't understand. And I think what he's really saying is, you might not understand how simple it actually is. Yes, the world's going to make it hard. But really, how hard is it to stop and pray? Why is it so hard to stop and pray? You're not supposed, you don't have to do much else. There's, you don't need anything material to stop and pray. You don't need to go buy something to stop and pray. You don't need anything. We don't need anything to unite ourselves to God. We can just stop and do it. How much more powerful is that? You know, we don't need to cast a vote. Now, what we do in this earth will affect our ability to connect with God, right? As we were saying before, if I vote one way, I'm voting for God or I'm voting against God. That's really what it comes down to. And it's not just politics. It's everyday life. It's how I choose to treat my family. It's do I choose to harbor anger? Do I choose to um, continue to remind people of their past sins, even though we've already talked about them and aired them out? Am I able to let go of things that have offended me? And these are the things where we make choices. And this is where we either vote for God or we vote against God. It's important to remember that because ultimately if our mission is to become Christ, as Monsignor S. have told me, 
Um, that makes sense because that's what Christ tells us, right? Because ultimately, when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment of the law, what did he say? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. He said, this is the first commandment. He said, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. He said, all the law and the prophets hang on to these two commandments. This is from Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 to 40. This is powerful because when it comes to um, our everyday decisions, our everyday lives, our mission, if Jesus said that the greatest commandment or the greatest mission or the greatest order I'm giving you is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, well, we have to ask ourselves, what's the final effect of doing that? So I, so I love God with all my heart, all my soul, and all my mind. What's, yeah, so what? So what's that going to do? This is where we become Christ-like. This is, where Christ, this is what Christ did. All he did was, I'm here to do the will of the Father. That's all he ever said. He emptied himself of himself in order to do the will of the Father. If we focus 100% on God, and we start to focus on loving him with all of our heart, with all of our soul and all of our mind, right? So the heart, the body, the soul, and the mind. And that's what we talk about here at the clinic. Heart, soul, and mind. Our spiritual uh, body, our spiritual, obviously, soul, and our spiritual mind. Once we do that, if we can put our intention into loving God, I think this is where we become God. How many times have we noticed uh, married couples who, after many years of marriage, you say, boy, they, they know each other so well, they don't even have to say anything. She already knows what he likes. He already knows what she's going to say. They know each other's every move without even having to say it. They don't even have to be together, and they understand each other. It's like they've become one. Isn't that the purpose of marriage? To become one, right? And not just in body, but in heart and in mind. So this is important because when we do that with God, all of a sudden we're going to be more Christ-like. If we follow that first commandment, the second commandment naturally follows. If I'm becoming more Christ-like, and hopefully my neighbor is becoming more Christ-like, we're going to recognize Christ in each other. If we can love, if I can love my neighbor as myself, I'm going to love my neighbor the way I see Christ in me. That is really where our unity comes from. You know, the p politics and voting, that can be very, very divisive. And if that's the road that that leads us down, then that's not exactly our mission in, in, in life. Our mission is to be united in Christ. Let's not forget that. So whatever your vote is, whatever this anxiety that's happening for us uh, due to politics, why it's there, why is this anxiety there? If we can take a step back and remember we have to become more Christ-like, I think that can really bring a whole lot of peace into our decision-making, into our thought process, and into the way we interact with each other. It's not about who I vote. It's what I'm voting for. And if I'm not voting for Christ, then I think I'm missing the point. I think I'm, I'm too wrapped up in what the world wants to tell me and not focused enough in what my mission is in life. And so let's keep that in mind. Now, we're going to see all this. We're going to see this turmoil. This has always been around. I always remember also in the gospel, if we look at it, let me take my, get my Bible here um, because I think this is always interesting. Um, and if we look at the gospel of John in chapter 21, you know, we see that at the end of the gospel, Peter says to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Because he's looking at St. John, and Saint, and Jesus had told St. John that he was going to stick around. And everybody thought, oh, well, wait a minute, does this mean that John is going to stick around until the coming of Christ? Is he going to see the coming of Christ? What about me, Christ? Where Where is my level of importance? And Jesus turns to St. Peter and says, 
He says, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Follow me. I think this is important because ever since then we see, if we will, the, the Vatican politics. You know, wait a minute, how come St. John gets to stick around until you come around, but am, am I not going to stick around? What, what do I get? What position do I get? And Christ is really given a powerful message. He's saying, you might not understand what my commandment is. It doesn't matter what it is that I'm asking of you. Follow me. In other words, follow me yourself. Follow your own mission that I've given you. Don't worry about what the mission of other people is. Um, because your mission is important enough, is really what he's saying. Sometimes it sounds like a rebuke, but really what we've got to remember is whenever God's rebuking us is because he's trying to tell us you're missing the point of how important you are. You're missing the point of the fact that you have an individual mission, you have a goal to make, to make it to heaven just like everybody else, but the way you're going to make it to heaven is going to be different than the way other people are going to make it to heaven. Ultimately, what you want to do is find out what that mission is for you. How are you going to become more Christ-like? That's really what it comes down to. Now, in the midst of becoming more Christ-like, we can't forget that there's going to be certain hiccups along the way. We're not perfect, so we need to get back to Christ. We're going to have to train in order to be able to get through our mission. We're going to talk about that in the next segment, but in the next show, actually, not in this show, but in another show, we're going to talk about how we're going to train in order to meet our objective of making it into heaven. We can't forget that we're in military operations. So regardless of what we're hearing out there in the world, we have to stick to what do we know as Catholics? What do we know to be right and wrong? You know, as we hear stories of saints and what they had to go through, what we're going to have to remember is that it's not going to be easy to follow God. It's not always going to make sense according to the rules of the world. But according to the rules of God, it makes perfect sense. We don't always see the end effect or why we had to do certain things, sometimes until after the action is done. And sometimes we might never see it. Sometimes it's just in the mind of God. The same way Jesus told St. Peter, you know, what's it to you if he stays here or not? You just have to follow me. I think God is telling us the same thing. Don't worry so much about all this turmoil that's being built up. If you follow me, you're going to find peace. That's probably the most important thing that we can think about. That's probably the most important thing, the most important gift we can give ourselves and those around us to try to find the peace of Christ and to try to bring that peace to other people. More about that when we come back. on apologetics you have entered into virgin most powerful's apologetics dojo where we go wall to wall with defending explaining sharing the faith master apologist carlo brusara carlo welcome to hands-on apologetics hey gary it's great to be back in the dojo my friend master apologist ken hensley welcome to hands-on apologetics good to see you again gary good to be with you michael barber welcome you have entered into the virgin most powerful's apologetics dojo Gary, thanks for having me on. We are chatting with Master Apologist Carl Keating. Gary, it's great to be back with you. Coming into the dojo is our good friend Steve Ray. Thank you, Gary. Good to be here. Tim Staples, welcome to Hands-On Apologetics. Hey, it's great to be with you, Gary. Thanks for having me on. Join many others in Gary Machuda's Apologetics Dojo. We have some of the best Catholic apologists in the nation. 
Streaming live weekdays from 10 to 11 a.m. Pacific. Hands-on apologetics on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for your support here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Here's an easy way to do it. If you're going to sell or buy a house, call Real Estate for Life, 877-543-3871, because they're going to get you a Christ-centered agent to purchase your home or to sell your home. And at the close of escrow, a portion of his commission goes right back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Call 877-543-3871. Thank you so much for your support. Welcome back to the clinic, Virgin Most Powerful Radio family. Today we're talking about anxiety and more than anything else, anxiety surrounding, yes, right now the current uh, politics and the uh, uh, headlines and all the social turmoil that's going on. But I think that this is a lesson that we can apply to our everyday lives, you know, with our with what's going on right now in society and we're worried about elections and voting and, and who's going to be in office and who's going to be in uh, the Supreme Court and who's going to be holding, be holding the uh, positions of power, really, but really power that we see here in the world. Um, <clears throat> we start to wonder, gosh, what's going on around us? Is this really in our best interest or not in our best interest? What is it that's happening? What we got to remember is that there's always been politics. There's always been government. There's always been positions of power. We're, we got to remember that even when Jesus was about to be crucified and he was talking to Pontius Pilate, and Pontius Pilate tells him, don't you know that I have the power to, to kill you or set you free? And Jesus says, you know, you wouldn't have that power unless my father gave it to you. we got to remember that because Jesus tells him, don't you think that I can have a legion of angels come down and save me right now? we got to remember that the power that we see here, that we interpret here on earth, or that which we interpret to be powerful on earth, is pretty insignificant when it comes to the power of heaven. And that's the bottom line. Regardless of what outcomes are, regardless of what happens, I have some patients uh, who tell me that they're going to end their lives if, if certain decisions are made. I have some family members who tell me that they don't know how they're going to go on in life and, and what they're going to do if certain candidates win. Um, and at the end of the day, what it really comes down to, and what we really have to remember is that God is in charge. God is aware of everything that's happening to us. God knows exactly what's happening in our surroundings, in our immediate surroundings, and the global surroundings. God knows that we are not perfect, and he's aware of that, and yet God is still guiding us. We can't forget that God is still guiding us, and as he's guiding us, as we still have air in our lungs, as we still have life that he has given us, he continues to ask us that whatever choice we make, we make for him, that we just follow him, that we don't worry about anything else, that we don't look at, well, why does this person have more than I do? Why does this person have less than I do? That we really ask ourselves, 
how can I best follow God? What is it that God is asking of me in this moment? We can't forget the greatest commandment. We can't forget that we must love God first above all things, with all our hearts, all our mind, all of our soul. That's key. And we can't forget that our mission at the end of the day is to become Christ-like so that we are perfect as God the Father in heaven is perfect. That should be the most reassuring thing that we can have is that regardless of what happens here, if I make my choice for God, then there's not much else I can do. Then I leave it in God's hands. I'm not responsible past that. You know, my responsibility is to, is to choose Christ, to choose God. Now, some practical things when it comes to anxiety. Um, always I, I recommend to people, if, if you're feeling anxious about something and your mind is so focused on something that you can't get rid of that focus, change the mind, change, change the scenery, change it up, do something that you can find uh, joy in, something, maybe you have a hobby, um, maybe you like to go out and go for a walk, whatever it is that helps you free your mind from the anxiety trap um, that's happening around us. One of the things to consider is that a lot of times anxiety is just fear of the unknown. And if we can remember that God is in charge and that we don't have to worry about the unknown because God's going to present it uh, before me and God's going to, if I allow myself, I allow God to guide me through life, then whatever's happening in front of me, if I can truly trust God and leave it in his hands, there's not going to be anxiety ar around it or, or about it because I'm going to understand that this is God guiding me through life. One of the other important things that we forget to do is really le read the lives of saints because sometimes when we feel that we're in turmoil, it's easy to feel alone. It's easy to feel like there's nothing else going on around me. It's just me. I'm sinking into this world. What's going to happen? Nobody else understands what's going on. Um, this is so overwhelming. My job is terrible. My boss is terrible. You know, all these other, my family is, is in turmoil. Sometimes when we stop to read the lives of saints, <clears throat> it helps us get in, gain a perspective into who we are as a community of Catholics. We can't forget that the lives of saints, a lot of times in, in certain cultures, saints are almost worshipped. And we have to take a step back from that where we realize they're not God, but they're examples of people who had to make hard decisions just like we do, of people just like us who made a choice for God. And regardless of what was going on around them, whether they were in a difficult marriage, whether they were having difficulties in their communities, in their religious communities, if they were part of a, a religious community, regardless of what was going on around them, they had to make choices. And the choices that they always ended up making were for God. It didn't always feel good. Sometimes they felt humiliated. Sometimes they felt made fun of. Sometimes they were looked down upon by their peers. They weren't considered very important or very smart. <clears throat> and yet, when we look at their lives now, uh, when we look at what happened and we look at the outcome, we understand that we don't have to be important in the eyes of the world in order to be important in the eyes of God. And ultimately, the choices that we make towards heaven have a much greater significance than the choices that we make to improve this planet. This planet is passing. And we understand that whatever is happening now, whatever I, let's say whatever president I vote for now is for four years, um, that's passing. That time is going to pass. Our time with God is eternal. The choices we make for God are eternal. That's really what matters. When we make it to heaven, what's our mansion going to look like? That's the vote that I want to put in. That's where I want to put my energies and efforts. Did I make the people around me better by me trying to make myself better in the eyes of God? That's what it comes down to. We can't forget how powerful our prayers are. We can't forget that God is actually listening to our prayers. It doesn't seem that way sometimes, but 
the way that we understand an answer to the prayers might be different than the way God understands the answer to the prayers. And we can't forget that God is a loving God. So regardless of the response he gives us, it's the best response we could possibly have get, have gotten in that moment in time that we might not understand, but that God in his perfect love understands. Are we willing to allow ourselves to trust God in order to fulfill our mission, in order to become more Christ-like? Ultimately, we have to look at that's what Christ did. Christ knew that he was causing some turmoil. Christ knew what was coming. Christ knew that the decisions he was making, the vote that he was making for the to follow the will, will of his father was going to get him in trouble. But he quietly continued on. He quietly followed the will of his father. Or actually, say not so quietly. He was preaching. He was, um, you know, talking about the kingdom of God. And he knew that this was causing turmoil around people. When Judas betrayed him, it was very simple because people were already out to get Christ. If we read the Gospels, Christ wasn't this, you know, peace-loving hippie. He actually caused some turmoil. Some of the times he was running away from crowds because crowds wanted to stone him or kill him because of him preaching the truth. Sometimes that's what's going to happen when you preach the truth. Are you willing to follow the will of God, even if it gets us crucified? That's really what it comes down to. It's not easy. It's scary. But there's got to be a certain moment where we ask ourselves, am I willing to become Christ-like or not? What am I willing to risk? When Christ voted for the will of the Father, he really voted for us. We've got to remember the agony in the garden where he said, Lord, allow this cup to pass me by, because he didn't want to do that. If it were his own will, he wouldn't have done that. He said, I don't want to do this. This is not, this is not in my plan, but this is in your plan, and that's why I'm going to do it. This is important to remember. Our anxiety should not be surrounding you know, what's going on around us. The anxieties that we have, I think we can find peace because we can find peace when we say, I'm going to do God's will. I'm going to not worry so much about what other human beings are saying or doing because at the end of the day, politicians are just human beings. I'm going to focus more on when I put in my vote, not just for a candidate, but in my everyday life, am I voting to make it to heaven? That's really the bottom line. It's hard. Sometimes it can be hard. It can be hard for me sometimes. You know, I don't always think that I'm that I'm making the most perfect decisions. And it's sometimes it's it's the moment of reflection if we take that moment every night to stop and reflect, what did I do to get closer to God today? Make an examination of conscience. I think ultimately that's what brings us peace. I saw I know this lady uh from church and she's always at, in peace and and she always seems very quiet. She doesn't really talk about anything um too controversial. And their question came up about the current uh, quarantine, not even so much the the politics, but the current quarantine and how that's affecting everybody. And she said, you know, it's not, it's not that I, I'm not uh, annoyed by it, or it's not that I wouldn't want things to change. You know, and the conversation turned to, well, what are the politicians doing? Why is it that we're still in quarantine? Why is it that other places are open? And she said, it's not up to me to open or not open. I don't have that choice to make. She said, but you know what I do? She said, I, every day I look around my house and I say, well, God has given me this time here at home. Am I able to keep the home in a, in a way that I would want to welcome Christ in it? And that really spoke to me because I was wondering, not just my physical home, but my spiritual home. My, we are temples of the Holy Spirit. Every day, am I creating a clean home to invite Christ in, to invite the Holy Spirit in? She really, you know, brought that to life where she said, you know, I clean the house and I make sure that it's clean because if God ever came and knocked on the door, she said, I would hate to be like Martha and Mary where all of a sudden I'm running around instead of sitting down and just listening to Christ, 
I'm running around trying to clean. She said, I want to be ready for Christ. I want to be ready for him to come into the, into the home and to be able to just listen to him. I think that that's powerful for us. I think as we start to worry about society, it's easy to look outside of us and forget to look inside in a positive way and ask ourselves, am I prepared for Christ? Am I prepared for the Holy Spirit? Because the reality is sometimes we forget that Christ is already here. The Holy Spirit's already here. Am I prepared for it? Am I ready to receive him? Christ is giving us a gift of himself every day. He's asking us to vote for him every day. It's up to us to be in a position to receive him and to be ready to receive him. So keeping in mind that even during quarantines, even during conflicts, you know, we still have the choice to clean our homes, to clean our insides, to, to start to train to become more Christ-like. There's different levels of training. There's different things we need to do to train um, because we have to understand a lot of things, not just about the world around us, but about ourselves. And it's important to remember that the more prepared I am, the more I'm going to allow Christ to work in my life, the more peace I'm going to have. That's what really counts at the end of the day. Am I preparing for it? Am I able to look at this as a time of saying, wow, the rest of the world is in turmoil. Hmm. There's this big quarantine and a lot of people are scared of getting sick and dying. Hmm. What is it that I can do in the midst of this? Well, I can worry about it. If I'm not sick, I don't know that I am going to get sick. But, and I, I'm putting my vote for the best I can to vote for my candidate. So hopefully I can continue to worship God in the way I know as a good Catholic. But in the moment, what can I do? What am I in control of? I think I'm going to clean my house. I think I'm going to clean my soul and be ready to accept Christ in my life at any time, not just a time of elections, not just a time of quarantine, but any time that I'm alive in this planet, I want to be ready for Christ to be in my heart, in my mind, and in my soul. And until next time, Thank you very much for listening to Virgin Most Powerful Radio family. Thank you for all your donations. Thank you for all your suggestions and your emails. It's always a pleasure to be here in the clinic. Hopefully we can bring some healing of body, mind, and soul. We'll talk at the next segment. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great High Priest, May the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin most powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.